tonight on the way here, we are tired, really tired. We had a long weekend, and I came home late last night, wanted to spend some time with my family, but I, I was exhausted and spent some time with my family. I got up early this morning to be with the Lord, went to work. <laughs> I got in my car, finished work, got in my car, was driving here, and I was, I was really kind of saying to the Lord, Lord, you know me, and I'm tired. I'm more tired than I think I've ever been, and I am... <laughs> I got so much stress at work that I've got to take care of, and I'm not really sure about tonight's message. And Lord, I just thank you that you are more than enough, and I thank you that you have this. And uh, but I'm tired, Lord, and I just I need you to just show yourself strong. And um, and I will tell you that all of a sudden, my car started to make a funny noise, <laughs> and I got a flat tire, and I pulled over to the side of the road. And I sat there thinking, Satan, you bugger, you do not win this one. You're not winning this one. I'm going to preach tonight with power and a flat tire, but I'm going to preach. And, and, and so I get a text from Leslie, and she said, Rhea, check your email, which I could because I'm sitting by the side of the road now with a flat tire. And, and I'm thinking, Leslie, do you have any idea how many text messages and emails you've sent me today? I'm stressed. I don't need another email. And that was what I was going to text back to her. And she said, trust me, you want to check your email. And so, Don, don't put it up yet, but give me a second. Don't put it up till I tell you. Listen to this. Now, you need to know, this is, I mean, I'll just give you some information because you need to have this to really enjoy this story. <laughs> Do you just love God? I just love him. Leslie, um, I don't know when. I've known Leslie forever. And a long time ago, I started calling her Batman just because she's my Batman. <laughs> She drives the car all the time when we go to engagements, ticks me off because I don't like to not be in control, but she drives the car, so I call her Batman, and I don't know how that started. I, it was, it, it's been forever that I've called her that, and she calls me Robin, and <laughs> it's one of those weird things, but um, when I was in the hospital a couple of years ago, um, I said, Dave, you know, could you text, could you text Leslie, or Leslie said, te you text me, Leslie? I text her, and I said, Dave, could you text Leslie and say, hey, Batman, this, whatever it was. And he said, you should be Batman, not her. <laughs> but she's my Batman, and I've just always called her that, always. So remember that. That's going to be important, okay? So we've really had a hard, hard weekend, and, and it's been awesome, but we're tired. And truthfully, as I'm coming here, I'm like, Lord, I got to know, I got to know that you are, you are bigger than all of this. I just have to know that because I'm tired. And I'll do it tired. I just need to know it, okay? So Leslie says, check your email. It's important. Dear Rhea, my name is Tracy so-and-so. I just wanted to send you a quick note. We met in 2012 at a ladies' retreat at Silver Birch Ranch in Wisconsin. Late one night, after chapel, we spoke, and I told you that my husband and I had lost two babies both in the second trimester of pregnancy. They were stillborn. She delivered them in the second trimester. And we were afraid that if we tried again that we would lose another. You talked with me for a long time, and, we, and you prayed for me, and you asked God not to let me get pregnant again unless the baby would live. The pregnancy was very difficult because I was so afraid. We went to the hospital so I could be induced at 41 weeks. 
The baby's heart rate kept dropping during labor, and I was afraid that I was going to have to have a C-section. I was filled with fear that we would once again lose another baby. While I was in labor, many of my friends were sending me text messages that they were praying and encouraging me, yet I still had trouble shaking my fears. Later in the day, I saw that Leslie had posted on Facebook that it was your birthday, Rhea. Your words and your prayer have stayed with me in, these la in this last year, and when I realized that this baby would, be, would share your birthday, it was as if God was telling me that he had heard your prayer and, that, and my fear immediately fell away. On 10-18-2013, we welcomed Bruce Thomas so-and-so into the world. He was 6 pounds, 12 ounces, and is perfectly healthy. Thank you for your prayer and encouragement. And I, I know I'll remember you every time my Bruce has a birthday. Don, could you put up the picture? This is what she sent me. <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> Do you just love that? Okay, we just love that. Leslie and I got a huge kick out of that one. It did the same thing to us, I'm telling you. Leslie's like, did you roll down and look at the picture? <laughs> it's good. He's so cool. Power. Power and authority. We are going to get to the gifts of the Spirit because I know you're really in a hurry to get to those, but here's what I'm going to do. I, I taught, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about... Um, are you going to be a fan or are you going to be a follower? Last week we talked about that will you, will you walk in belief or unbelief. And I'm going to tell you that belief sermon really stuck with me because this week I can't tell you the number of times the Lord brought that back to mind. For those of you that, that weren't here, the word Jesus says that, that he rebuked his disciples. Those are his closest buddies, his, his Batmans. Uh, they, they were his inner circle. And he, the word says that he rebuked them for their unbelief. And that word unbelief means to attribute to someone that the untrustworthiness. And, and it, would, it was aimed at their character. And so what it's saying, that, that they said to Jesus, you really aren't worth our trust. You're, you're not trustworthy. You're not worthy of our trust. And it just grieved me. The more I thought about that, the more I thought every time I questioned God, Every time I look at a, a natural situation and, and I give it more power than I give God, what I'm saying is, God, you are not worthy of my trust. And it grieves me. I, I can't tell you how much that sermon has stuck with me this week. So we talked about fan or follower. We talked about will I walk in belief or unbelief. And, and I have one more thing that we need to hit before we go into Acts, and that is power and authority. Because it doesn't matter if, if you know everything there is to know about the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't matter if you know everything you, you, you can know about how the Spirit works. Unless you understand that He has given you power and authority, it's not going to do you any good at all. And so I want to take some time tonight to talk to you just a little bit about power and authority. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. And I'll begin reading in verse 34. Mark chapter 13. Now, I want to just clear something up before we even get any further in this Holy Spirit study. 
there are people that will say, as we get into these gifts, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm going to teach mine. <laughs> Lord. But there are people that will say, those gifts stopped with the apostles, with the disciples. Uh, that they really just were for that time. Well, I just want you to go back and revisit it in the weeks to come. I want you to go back and look at the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus, he, he sent the 12 out with a Great Commission. You know, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know that Great Commission. <laughs> and he gave, he gave them instructions. He said, heal the sick. You follow me? Cast out demons. And he did that to the 12. And there are people that will say that was just for the 12. But at the end of that, if you just want to flip over, let's just flip over to that, the end of, of um, Luke. Nope, I want you to go to, to Luke. Hold on just one second. So I don't have it in my notes, so give me just one second here to find it. No, I'm sorry, Matthew 28. Um, go therefore, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Now, we know that earlier he commanded them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, okay? We know that. He says, now, you go into all the world and you, you teach others to observe everything that I've commanded you. And so that, that great commission, everything he taught and commanded them was not just for those disciples. They're told then to go and everything he imparted to them, go impart to others. Everything he instructed them, go instruct to others. This was supposed to be an ongoing work of the church. It was never supposed to stop with the disciples. And that's how, that's the approach you have to look at as we're going into Acts. And you have to make up your mind right now whether or not you're going to believe that. Do you believe that this is a promise for you today? Or do you believe that was just for the disciples? I'll tell you what I believe. That's what you're going to be taught. If you don't like that, there are a zillion other Bible studies in town. Go to one. The word says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. That word destroy, it means to overthrow. It means to do away with. It, de it means to deprive of authority. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I was teaching on the woman with the bent back this weekend, and it was fascinating to me that the word says that this woman was bent, and this is how she lived her life. She, she lived her life like that. I want to say for like 13 years, she lived her life like that. Might have even been longer. Do you remember how long that was? She lived her life like that for a very long time. And, and, and Jesus sees her, he's teaching, and he sees her, and he calls her forward. And he lays his hands on her, and he says, Woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. He says in that passage, we learn that she was bound by Satan, it says. That her infirmity was a spirit of infirmity. And she was bound, the word says, by Satan. 
That's why Jesus, when he laid hands on her, he said, woman, thou art loosed. And that word loose is the same word as destroy. Jesus came to destroy, to loose, to, to overthrow, to do away with the works of the enemy. When you and I, when I approached that HIV positive friend, I didn't approach her, whoa, is she, she has HIV, what are we going to do? When I laid my hands on her, I laid my hands on her confident that Jesus came to overthrow the works of the devil, to destroy, not to just do away with for a little bit, to absolutely destroy the works of the devil. And that's the kind of confidence that we have got to have in his word. Will I believe him or will I believe a report? Will I believe him or will I believe what I see in the natural? Will I believe him or will I believe what the world has to say? Now, you might think I'm just hammering this at you, the same thing week after week after week, but we are going to hammer this till we get it. We're going to hammer this till we lay hands on somebody with HIV and are confident that God is able. Do you see the difference? It's a mindset. It's ignorance is what it is. We don't really know that he came to destroy the works of the devil. If we really believe that, we could look HIV right in the eye and say, you know what, you're not going to be here long. I, I, I gave that woman, we had just had communion, and I gave her another, uh, another cup to drink. And I said, I want you to drink that. And as that goes down through your body, I'm telling you, I'm believing for a blood transfusion. I'm believing you are going to get clean blood. And I want you to remember what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Do you believe that? That's not Rhea saying that. That is the word of God. He came to destroy it. Do you believe that? We have to make up our mind. I want you to flip over. Keep your finger in, in Mark chapter 13, but flip over to 1 Corinthians 4. There's Acts and then there's Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4. Look at verse 20. I've been thinking about this. In fact, I, I had some notes together to teach you all tonight, and, and, and then uh, yesterday this scripture just kept coming through my head, and I thought, Lord, I, I really want to teach on authority and and why does the scripture just keep coming through my head? I, I'll teach on that another week. And yet I knew this was a scripture that he wanted me to bring out tonight. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. I, I like the new, the new Living Translation there. It says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. Paul is talking there, and, and he's saying, um, you know, they're, they're talking about there's some, there's some uh, you know, this person said this, this person said that. Paul, you said this. And, and there's some division and discord going on. And, and he says, when I come, because I am going to come, and when I come to visit you, we're going to find out if, 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 if this is just a lot of talk. We're going to see if this is all talk that they're doing or if they have power. Because the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It's a, it's a living, it's living in the power of God. Can I just tell you, I've been asking the Lord about myself. I'm not, I'm not putting this out about the church. I'm not ripping on the church. I'm, I'm including myself in that. Can I tell you that I believe that the church is a lot of talk and not a lot of power? 
Do you know what hurts me more than anything in the whole wide world? It hurts me when I see a pastor go up to the pulpit with a written out prayer. I'm sorry, but that hurts me. Do you know what that says to me? It's a lot of talk, but there's no power. There's no intimacy. That should not be. Do you know what the Lord has been doing to me week after week after week? You can ask the team. I've been fretting over it. He won't let me bring my notes. He, he won't let me teach what I've studied. And, and tonight I was going out the door and little Kendall was sitting at the table. And I said, Kendall, pray for Mama. I don't have a sermon. She said, Mama, you sit in the Word all the time. You study all the time. You have a sermon. She's 13. And I got in my car and I was like, She's right, Lord. I have a sermon. I have it. Because the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It's power. And more than I want a sermon, more than I want fine-sounding words. Oh, I pray all the time. There's a scripture that says, I don't want my message to be with wise and persuasive words, but I want it to be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And church, I'm going to tell you, what we do is we've got fine-sounding words. You can pray up a storm. Some of you can quote more scripture than I can quote. Some of you never miss Bible study. You never miss a prayer meeting. You never miss church on Sunday morning. But I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is not just about talk. It's about power. Paul was saying, you're doing a lot of big talking here. But when I get to you, we're going to see how much that talk is really, how much of that's really affecting your life. And if it's power, if there's power behind that talk, don't you want a life? Oh, I want a life. I, I've been saying to the Lord, I, I want to be the real deal or I don't want to be anything at all. We got called this week. A friend of mine called me and she said, Rhea, would you come with me to Illinois to pray for a friend of mine who has cancer? She's got tumors all through her stomach. And and I went with her, and, and I, I had a scripture in my pocket that I kept pulling out all day long, just reading, reminding myself that this had nothing to do with me. It had, it had nothing to do with the ladies that were going with me. It had nothing to do with any of us. It was just simply we were going as copper pipes to let the Spirit of God flow through us because the kingdom of God was not about talk. I could talk to that woman all I wanted, but if power didn't show up, we were all sunk. I so wanted to bring a present tonight, and I was going to call Leslie today and say, could you go buy a present and wrap it up and give it to me so that I could give it to somebody from you? Are you with me? A present from Leslie in my hands and me to say, this is from Leslie. I'm just delivering it to you. Now, would you say thank you to me? No, because it was from Leslie. So you'd probably write a thank you note to Les this week saying, thanks, Les, for the gift. Are you with me? As we study the gifts of the Spirit, you see, when God shows up and his power flows through you and you get to see a Batman baby, <laughs> that he lets you see that, the temptation to think you had anything to do with that might rise up within you. But all it is is, Gene, here's a gift from Leslie. I'm just delivering it. I had nothing to do with that gift. I just got to deliver it to Gene. Are you following me? I had nothing to do with that baby gift. <laughs> nothing. I just prayed. I helped deliver a gift from God. Can't take any credit. 
But here's what I want. I want when I pray to not just be a bunch of fine-sounding words. I want it to be about power. Because the kingdom of God is not of words. It's of power. It's not a lot of talk. It's of power. Do, do you understand that if we really lived not a lot of talk but of power, people would want our Jesus. People would say, I have no idea what it is about you, but I want whatever that is. Do you understand? That's how signs and wonders are supposed to work. Signs and wonders were never about, look at me, I'm super spiritual. Signs and wonders are, look at my God and how powerful he is. Don't you want him in your life? You see, signs and wonders will follow those who believe. We, we read last week that Jesus said, I'll authenticate your ministry with signs and wonders. Now, I don't think I can expect him to authenticate my ministry with signs and wonders if I'm just a lot of talk, but no power. How did Jesus get his power? Anybody know? One of my favorite scriptures, I think I taught on it this weekend. The word says that everybody else went home. They had been ministering all day long. They were tired. The disciples had been out with Jesus all day long. And the Bible says that everyone else went home. I think it's John chapter 7, the very last verse. Everyone else went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Any idea what he's doing at the Mount of Olives? He's with the Father. And then the word says, and at dawn he was up in the temple courts teaching. Not much sleep there, was there? Because he understood that his power, he, see, he was God, he was, he, 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 there was no doubt that he had divinity, but he was now humanity. He was in every way a man like you and I are. And he knew where he needed to get his power. He knew he needed to be with the Father. And you and I cannot hope to get power. You see, authority is in the commission, but power is in the encounter. You cannot hope to have power if you don't have an encounter. Oh, you can go out on a commission and say, you know what? God says I can lay hands on you and, and you'll recover. God says I should go in the world and preach the gospel. God says that, that I, should, I should pray for the, the sick and they'll recover. God says I can cast out demons. We can take the commission and the authority, but there's no power if we haven't had the encounter. Do you see that? And we've got to be intentional about the encounter. Well, when I see a pastor, and, and trust me, I used to do this, but when I see a pastor take out a paper and read a prayer, I think he has the commission, but he hasn't had the encounter. See the difference? Authority comes with the commission. Power comes with the encounter. That's why Jesus said, go out into all the world and do this. But tarry, <laughs> we're going to get to that next week, but tarry for power from on high. Wait. <laughs> I know you think you're going to be able to do this, but before you go have a revival service, before you go leading people to me, before you go laying hands on the sick, tarry for power from on high. Because you got the commission down, but precious one, you got to wait for the power. And power comes in the encounter. Have you had an encounter lately? I, I don't mean this condemning. Hear me. I have to ask myself, Rhea, have you had an encounter lately? Yeah, you get up and read the word, but was it an encounter? Did you encounter his presence? 
I told you, my mama used to always say to me, make sure you're under the spout where the glory comes out, Rita. And sometimes you have to tarry. A young lady came to me this weekend, and she said she was holding a brand-new baby, and she said, Rhea, I'm wondering if you could come and talk to my, our mom's group. And I said, sure. And I said, what do you want me to talk about? And she said, I want you to talk about your quiet time because I, we just don't know how to have a quiet time. And I said, look at you holding that baby in your arms. That's your quiet time. Just worship him while you're holding her. She said, but Rhea, where can I carve out time to read the word? I said, that becomes obligation, doesn't it? If you have to think, how am I going to get time with you? How am I going to get time with you? And I have all this to do, and how am I going to? Just love your baby well. Be a good mom. Be a good dad. Worship him when you get up to feed that baby in the middle of the night. Just put on, put on some music, sing him some songs, thank him for that baby. That's, that, that's encounter, too. Do, do you know that sometimes we can get up and we can have this, check this off my list. i got to read the word and, and you know, get, a, get a good little notes in my journal here. And, and we think that's encounter. If I said to Davey, if I said, hey, baby, I, I need to hear. i got a little bit of time here about a half hour, could, could we sit down and just have some good time together? Could we have some quality time together? I have to do this. I, I know I have to be with you, so could you just sit down and we could just be together? How would that make Dave feel? I have to be with you. I know I should. Versus, I can't wait to be with you. I can't wait. Yesterday, I'm exhausted. I dropped Leslie off at her house. I'm thinking, I don't even know if I have the strength to drive home. I'm so tired. But I called him and I said, baby, I'm almost there and I can hardly wait to see you. And hardly wait to see you. I could have said, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed. Let me alone. But you see, when you have intimacy with somebody, you can't wait to be with them. It's not an obligation. It's not a must, must, must. It is an encounter. I want to be with you. I want intimacy. That's an encounter. And that's where the power comes. I don't have to be with you, Jesus. I don't, I don't want to mark this off my to-do list. I don't feel obligated to do this. I understand who you are. I understand that I am nothing without you. I understand if anything good's going to happen, it's going to happen because I've been with you. He said, the kingdom of God is not about words, it's about power. That word, words, there, it's the word logos, and it means fine-sounding, intelligent, well-put-together words. <laughs> I love that the word says that the disciples, when they heard them teach, they said they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they knew they had been with Jesus. See, it wasn't about intelligent, well-put-together, wise and persuasive words. It was, they've encountered Jesus. They got power. There's something about them. Certainly isn't that they're well-schooled. They're kind of ordinary. Must have been because they've been with Jesus. See, that's the difference. The kingdom of God is not a matter of, of, of talk, of words, of logos. I, I just hope I can tell you this like, like the Lord was telling me on the way here and so, so, Lord, just help me with this. But that word logos, it, it is the written word. It's when you read the Bible and it's just a bunch of words. Have you ever, I know you're really spiritual, but I'll, I'll just tell you about me. But sometimes I can just read the word. And sometimes it's just dead. 
and I just read it. It's the word. And it's still good. It's still getting in me. And then there are times that I read it, and I'm like, oh, was that always there? And it just is like in my spirit. It like, it's like a knife. Oh, it just gets me. Or, or I'll, be, I'll be doing something or having something going on in my life, and I'll read something, and it's like, ah, that goes right. That it just applies to my life. And it, it's the aha. It's the aha. The, I can't believe that's there. And, and you have understanding. It's just winged into your heart by the Holy Spirit. That's the rhema. See the difference? They're, they're both, they both in our language mean word. It's just one is intelligent, logos. The other is, aha, I got that, penetrate deep, rhema, okay? So flip over to Revelation. I promise I'm finishing. Flip over to, to Revelation. I think it's chapter 1. Yes. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation, last book of the Bible. I love this. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Here's what I want you to see. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. That word two-edged, I told you this before, means two-mouth sword. You want to say, well, how does that make any sense, a two-mouth sword? Are you with me? When you, when, when you read about the um, armor of God, they're all offensive weapons except one. What's the defensive weapon? Oh, come on. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what we fight with. That's the only defensive weapon. The only offensive weapon, I'm sorry. That's what we fight with, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, okay? That word sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the word there is not logos. It's not the kingdom of God is not about talk. It's not about words. It's about power. That's, that's logos. Are you following me? The written word, the intelligent word, fine-sounding word. But the sword of the Spirit, which is the only offensive weapon, what we fight the devil with is rhema. It's the aha. It's the, oh, I got that deep in my spirit. And so the word says that in Jesus' mouth was a double-edged sword. Stay with me because this is good. It's a two-mouth sword, okay? And you want to say, where did the two mouths come from? Why is it a double-edged sword? You know that a double-edged sword, can, it, it's, it's a killer weapon. It's, it is a, it, it is a, it's, a, it's a big weapon. <laughs> it gets them both ways, double-edged. You can't stand up against a double-edged sword. And Jesus, what he has in his mouth is a double-edged sword, and it's a two-mouth sword. And, and what it means, oh, this is so good. When you're studying the Word of God and you're storing up that Word inside of you, you don't realize that that's getting stored. You, you see, when I was a teenager, I listened to a lot of music. I loved music. And, and I haven't listened to music for a long time. I really am careful about what I let in my ear gates. And <laughs> but I'm telling you what, I can hear a song from 25 years ago, and I can, re I can tell you every lyric. I know every word to that song. Because what I didn't realize is that when I was listening to it, it was getting stored. And I can still retrieve it. I haven't heard it for years, 25 years, but I can still retrieve every last word. Are you with me? So when you and I study the Word of God, 
when we deposit it. He said, store up the word of God richly inside of you. When we deposit that word of God in us, are you with me? Then we can be going through life, we hit, a, we hit a problem, we hit a difficulty, and all of a sudden, God drops his sword, his word, into our life. And we are like, oh, my sons will not be drinking and partying and carrying on. My sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will, there, will my children's peace be. Oh, Lord, that's right. That's a good scripture. And then I get the aha moment. That's for me. That's going to apply to this situation. And then I began to speak it from my mouth. Lord, I thank you that my sons are going to be taught by the Lord, and great is their peace going to be. Now we've got two edges going. It's a two-mouth sword. The sword of the Spirit is what defeats the enemy. Got it? That's a rhema. It's a double-edged sword. And that's what we go at the enemy with. Are you with me? So how did I get on that? Oh, the word. The, the, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's not a matter of word. It's a matter of power. There's so much more that I want to tell you, but I want to keep you on time. And so, so I'm, I'm going to let you go. But, but I, just, I, want to just, I want you to just think about a couple other quick things. Over and over in the scripture, if you look at Luke 9, if you look at Mark 13, it talks about authority in Mark 13. It's the centurion who, who, who his servant is sick and he comes to get Jesus and he says, you know, he's dying and, and, and Jesus is going to go with him. And he said, no, you just say the word. You don't even have to go with me. Just say the word because I understand that you're a man of authority. I understand authority. You don't even need to come to my house. You just say the word. That's understanding authority. So when Jesus says, uh, he, he sent them out and he gave them authority over demons and sicknesses, that word authority means permission. It means the right or liberty. It means the power to do something. It's interesting to me that that word comes from the root uh, that denies the presence of a hindrance. Hear me. Jesus gives us authority. The power comes in what? The encounter. The authority gets is the commission, the sending. And he says, all authority, uh, all authority is mine, and I'm going to give it to you. Stuart and Jill, my, my father and mother-in-law, uh, I do all their, their business for them. I take care of, of, of all of their, their work, all of their ministry, but I also take care of their, pri their, home, their personal things. And so I pay all their bills for them. I get to sign their checks. I pay their bills. I, I make their deposits. I get money out of the bank for them. And so I go to the bank and I take a check and it's my handwriting on the check, but it's their check. It's their account. And so the bank doesn't come to me and say, they don't demand the money from me. They hold them accountable for the money. Are you with me? I've been given the authority to sign their name. <laughs> but the account's not in my name. The monies, the funds don't have to show up in my, not my responsibility. Jesus said, all authority I give to you. In my name, you'll cast out demons. In my name, you'll heal the sick. Stuart Briscoe, Rhea, in my name, you'll pay the bills. You don't have to come up with the money, Rhea, just sign my name. With me? In my name, 
you'll cast out demons. In my name, you'll heal the sick. Power of attorney. You get to use my name. And I got a name that's above all names. At my name, demons will bow. At my name, every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. At my name, they'll flee. At my name, sickness will be gone. It's not a magic genie in the bottle. He says, whatever you ask in my name, it'll be given to you. That's not a, I think I'd like a Bentley. My name, his name is his character. What would be lining up with his character? Rhea driving a Bentley? Well, maybe some people think that, but I think more likely that he is a healer, that he's good, that he's kind, that he's faithful to what he says, that he's trustworthy. So Rhea, you can ask any of those things in my name. It's your handwriting. You're going to speak it. <laughs> but I've given you the authority to do it. You had the power come because you, you had an encounter with me this morning. Now you have authority. So when you go out and HIV comes to your door, can you pray for me? You betcha I can pray for you. Because I've got power because I encountered him this morning. And baby, i got authority because I have permission to use his name. i got a power of attorney. And he says that I'm going to lay hands on you and you're going to recover. And he means what he says because he's not a God that he should lie. And it's not up to me. You're not withdrawing it from my account. <laughs> I'm just, it's my handwriting, but it's his account. He says in my name, use my name, Rhea, because there's power in the name of Jesus. Okay, I know that I threw a lot at you, and, and I know you have to go, but are you getting it? I could teach another hour, and we still wouldn't cover everything. I think, I think we need to cover on this. But do you understand that authority, it, it, it combines the idea of right and might. You not only have the right, you have the might behind it. You not only have a right to sign my name, Rhea, you have access to my bank account, and there's money in it. Do you see it? It's the right and the might to do it. It's the right to act officially. It's power entrusted to us. That's what authority is. He says, all authority I've given to you. He sent them out with authority, the word says. He says, you have authority to, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing can hurt you. He said, you have authority over demons. You have authority over diseases. You have authority over death. Behold, the word says, I have given you authority. He's given us authority. Oh, I don't want to stop teaching. Let me just tell you one last story, and then I'll let you go. Um, this, this week, I got, last week, I got, when I get up in the morning, I, uh, in the winter, when it's cold, I go to my fireplace in the morning. I flip, we have electric fireplace or gas fireplace, and so I'm always cold, so I don't go to the table. I sit on the floor in front of my fireplace, and I spread my books out, and I have a, a golden doodle. His name is Armani, and, and I love him so much, but he is, he is a stinker sometimes. And, and, and Armani loves, like he can't wait till I get down the steps, and he goes right to the fireplace because he knows I'm going to sit there and he can lay beside me. And, and, and so this week I was up, and it was about 4.15. It was really early, and, and Armani usually just lays quietly and, and sleeps beside me. And, and I was studying, 
And I had read a story in a commentary about a woman who said to God, I want $50,000 to buy a home for a missionary. All I need is $50,000, Lord. And she began to pray, and she began to say, Lord, I, I believe that you're going to give me this $50,000. I want it for a good cause. I want it for your cause. I want it to bring you glory. I believe you're going you're gonna to do that for me. And, 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 she, and the commentator said, and, and there was a knock on her door one day, and it was a gentleman who said, I'd like to drill for oil in your backyard. And she said she heard the Lord say, that's your prayer being answered. And so she gave him permission to drill for oil. And, and this commentator said, and he drilled, and he struck oil, and she got $50,000. And when she got, that was her, per, her portion of the proceeds. And when she got to $50,000, the oil dried up. And she said that she heard the Lord say to her, if you had asked me for more, I would have given you more. But you asked me for $50,000. So I'm reading this story, and I have some things that I feel like the Lord has told me. And so I bowed my head, and I was like, Lord, I'm not asking for $50,000. I'm not asking for just enough. I, here's what I need, Lord. Here's what I believe you promised me. And I, I'm deep in prayer. And Armani's going, ruff, ruff, and it's 415. And I'm like, shh, Monty. And I go back to prayer. And he's like, ruff. And I'm like, Monty, stop. And I hit a snout. And I'm like, stop, shh. You're going to wake up. You're going to wake everybody up. You know, I'm, I want him to be quiet. And he's, ruff, ruff. And I'm like, I'm trying to pray, and I'm annoyed because he won't stop, and I'm so afraid he's going to wake Kendall and Dave up, and, and he won't. He, now he's up, and he's, he's hitting me with his paw, and he's a big dog, and he's got a big pulse, and he's scratching me across my leg, and I'm like, Monty, stop it. Lay down. And, and, and then he gets up, and he wants me to follow him. You know, he does this backup thing, so I follow him. And I'm like, you're not getting a treat because he loves treats, and, and I know he wants me to follow him to get a treat. And he's going, Whoa! And now he's getting louder. And I, 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 now it's like a <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting a treat either. <laughs> Lord. So now he's, he's wanting me to follow me. He's really loud, so I do what every good mother does, and I give in. And I get up, and I'm going to go get him a treat. And he, he's following me, and he's going like this, and he wants me to come with him into the laundry room where we keep his treats. And, and I'm like, Monty, you are not getting a treat. Shh. And, and I'm, I'm just going to give him the cheap treat and not the ones he really wants because he knows the difference. And so... I go into the laundry room, and I realize he stops at his dishes, and I realize that his food bowl is empty. And so I said, oh, you want food? And so I go get him food instead of a treat, and I put his food bowl back, and I go to go back to the fireplace and back to prayer, thanking the Lord that he's going to take care of this. And, and he's, Whoa! and I'm like, Monty, stop. And he goes back over to the laundry room. And I'm thinking, I'll get him a treat. And he stops at his water bowl. And I realize his <laughs> I realize this water bowl is empty. And I'm like, oh, you smart dog. You are such a smart dog. Your mommy's smart dog. And I'm just, you know, being ridiculous. And I get his water, bottle, his water bowl, and he darts over to the sink, and he jumps up on the sink with his little pulse, and he wants me to fill up his water. And I'm like, I have the smartest dog in the whole wide world. And I fill up his water, and I take it back over, and he starts to lap up the water, and he's happy, and I go back 
to sit down to pray, and I hear the Lord say to me, that's what I want you to do to me. You see, he was relentless. He was absolutely relentless. I'm not giving up till I get what I want. Not selfishly. See, he says you don't have because you don't ask. But when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motives. You're not asking according to my will. But Rhea, if you ask according to my will, there is no limit. And if you're not seeing it right now, you keep coming back. And you keep asking. And you be relentless like Armani hitting you with his pole. And don't you give up. And don't you start believing this when you have a promise from me. Be relentless. Be relentless. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your powerful word. I thank you, Lord God, that you didn't just leave us. You didn't leave us as orphans, Father. You've given us your Holy Spirit, that you are God with us. And you didn't just leave us with your Holy Spirit, Father. You've given us authority and power from on high. Lord, I just thank you so much for that. You've not left us powerless. And Father, I pray for boldness to begin to arise in this congregation. Every person coming here on Monday night, Lord, I, I pray for a revelation of the authority that they've been given in you. We are joint heirs with Christ. Lord, your word says that in everything we need to make you preeminent. I used to think that meant put you first. Now I realize it means that you went before us as the example. And we need to have that example always before us, preeminent in our mind. This is what Jesus did. Therefore, he tells me I can do it too. He's my example. I'm not going to settle for anything less. He says even greater things you'll do. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for power from on high. I thank you for your presence with us. But Lord, even if we never see your power on display, I thank you for the encounter. I thank you that you want to be with us, that you want us to know you. And Lord, I pray that specifically for every person here tonight. that before this week is up, Lord, that they would encounter you in a way they've never encountered you before. That they would taste of your presence, Lord. Not presence as in gifts, your presence. Oh, Lord, forgive us for seeking those presents instead of your face. It's your presence, Lord. Your presence. Give us an awareness of your presence with us, I pray. In Jesus' name.